Welcome to TBC, a podcast about the startup journey from inception to acquisition or failure. Some some good feedback on, on yeah. both of them and um, yeah I don't know maybe maybe he'll throw me a curveball when we're sitting here and we'll have to go back to the other one again or maybe we'll say look we're not quite ready to name yeah. name the venture yet but we're gonna keep the podcast called TVC yeah at this stage yeah it's got a cool name eh yeah I quite it's like quite it a, got a bit of dream behind it exactly and people are already I mean there's not that many people that have listened but people have probably already associated us with that brand a little bit TBC yeah. thing so we've got the website up and everything so cool. we'll, we'll I think we'll just, we'll just keep, keep it going ah uh, so it's just, just our landing page to be confirmed.nz that we were sending people to, to give us feedback yeah but we'll we'll figure it out on mic it's pretty funny though we after editing the last one just picking up on all of your, your little quirks and and, and habits and and not being close enough to the mic or yeah. you know peas really go popping on the mic yeah. peas and, and deep breaths before we start talking so <gasps> <laughs> you're a bit tired hey you're a bit tired no no i had a bit quite early last night yeah. all good um but yeah i mean do we want to now just while while the mics are hot um figure out exactly what what name we're running with or have we have we figured that out? Well, I think we said that um, my feedback was probably discounted yeah. and lent towards fourth wall. Yes. Yeah. And your feedback uh, probably has, whichever way you look at it, it's either super, it has an additional kind of weight to it versus my community. Mm. Um, and they were, they were big on paddock, right? They were. Yeah, yeah. Paddock was kind of the one that that stood out from a lot of my mates, and I think the thing that pushed me over the edge with it, well, there was two things. Firstly, it sounds less like a consultancy. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what we're going for. We're trying to be a little bit outside the box. Yeah. Non-traditional. So that's one factor that um, yeah pushed me in that direction, and then the other one we got a really great email from my friend Alex yeah um, great email and Alex said that we should go with Paddock and he suggested which we probably won't call this podcast but maybe a future podcast call it field recordings yeah and then then I thought field notes would be a great email newsletter name yeah yeah it all sort of flows together quite nicely yeah it? yeah so that kind of pulled it all together for me um, but if that's what we want to go with then we can just we can just commit today. Let's do it. Perfect. Exciting. You're the first to hear it, Koshik. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, just want to kick us off. We can go off this podcast, uh, this script a little bit. Yeah, I'm just trying to find it. Uh, so it's in the Content Hub and it's episode two. Oh, t- 
episode two, Tim Jones of Grow Good teaches us the oh, B so word. So we're doing the intro to that one. Yeah, yeah, we're doing that one. Yeah. Cool. This episode contains strong language. If there are children within earshot, please press the pause button, use some headphones, or throw the kids out of the car. Done that. Kira Koto, welcome back to TBC. I'm John Holt. I'm Mitchell Wyndon Smith. We have a name for the business and the podcast, John. Paddock. Be outstanding in your field. Badum dum. There we go. But we're an anti-consultancy supporting companies realising their ESG strategy in the short term. And you're listening to TBC, a podcast documenting the startup journey from inception to acquisition or maybe uh, failure. Uh, it's a dear diary kind of thing, really. And alongside the story is, yeah, an altruistic company finding its feet. And we aim to educate our listeners each and every week. I've got a swear word in the scripts, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. Why not? Fuck me up, John. There's a brilliant ring to it. <laughs> we, we have stories and we want to be educational uh, as well as uh, documenting the startup journey. My dear friend Laurie Evans, who works for a large consulting company in Sydney, guided us on this. And I actually also want to throw in there um, just a quick thank you to everybody who listened to episode one of the podcast and helped uh, shape the brand and the name and everything, specifically uh, four friends in particular, which was Alex, Laurie, Nuts and Fisher. Yeah, what a great nickname, Nuts. Yeah, <laughs> he was very, very helpful. Um, so thanks, guys. And yeah, I think we're just going to proceed with documenting the journey of the startup and educate our listeners on this ESG space. Yeah, that came through pretty strongly, you know, wanting to take something away from each episode. So we thought we'd just get that out of the way now. And, and actually, I haven't fact-checked it, but I reckon the Ganges is probably the second longest river in the world. I think uh, what he meant was to educate on ESG specifically. Oh, right, right. (laughs) Well, after our next episode, we were were going to ask for help with branding and design. We want to do a deep dive on ESG and and, and actually just really, um, yeah, respond to that feedback from the listenership um, about what it actually is, what's going on. And I can't wait to get a creative partnership sorted out uh, beyond this ESG educational stuff. Branding really pumps my tyres, fertilises my field, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. It's, um, it's been an interesting sort of couple of weeks, you know, some stagnancy, but, but also just a lot of progress, right? And mainly about talking to folks, getting feedback, and um, yeah, we're finally here, but you know, let's, let's not get too uh, eco-chambery and self-indulgent. Or anyone who knows me knows I love a self-source, John. Yeah, if you could just refrain from that, certainly while I'm here. Um, for the meantime, Mitch, um, I don't need another podcast of your ramblings. Fair enough. Right back at you. Yeah, possibly more fair enough, actually. I think the older you get, they probably tend to drone on a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but it's all about the content, isn't it? And we've got plenty to chat about. Well, we've got a podcast in the bank. Uh, which we need the world to hear, and it's a, it's a great one, mainly because it's not either of us as the, the topic or the, uh, the kickoff. Exactly right. So Tim Jones is, is a highly intelligent business consultant. Um, he'd probably say that of himself, I think. He's a fairly, <laughs> fairly confident sort of dude. But he's, he's a real pioneer around uh, getting this B Corp um, concept and organisation seeded into the New Zealand marketplace, and obviously it's growing like a weed. Uh, across the world and he's really done the mahi around getting it uh, 
uh, a lot of those sort of initial years and, and hours of work where people didn't really know what he was talking about or how it fitted in or why they should care about it. And it's really starting to come on its own. So it's actually great to have him um, very kindly spend a couple of hours with us uh, talking to us about the journey and, and, and what B Corp's all about. Yeah, he was kind enough to spend a couple of hours with us riffing on purposeful business. And I absolutely loved it. If you're joining us from Tim's network, kia ora, Heidi mai. The conversation we have is incredible, really, with Tim. He's such an inspiring guy. And editing the podcast, going over the, the audio file, which I did previous to this wee preamble that we're recording now, and having another listen to his insights really was quite invigorating. And I've talked to you about this, John. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it. He is just full of passion and, and energy, and, and it really yeah was encouraging hearing his thoughts on what we're trying to do and also just what businesses are trying to do in New Zealand at the moment and beyond with B Corps if you could humor us go back and take a listen of episode one it's only 24 minutes long and we'll give better context to today's episode mere 24 minutes of your time yeah I tell you what spun my wheels with the last episode ANZ's 100 million dollar ESG investment into to sort of what's a loan really it's not an investment per se as I understand it is basically contingent on them increasing their B Corp score. So I think recently, you know, that was one of the first pieces for a lot of us not-so-youngies uh, in the corporate world that says, hey, this, uh, this ESG, this focus on purpose and a lot more things than just the balance sheet is actually here to stay. Absolutely. And what I loved about that, that is the fact that these banks are keenly aware of the way that financial markets are trending. Ethical investment is on the up. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's actually just flick... Uh, flicked him on because I think he, he really encapsulates and tells the story a lot better than we do. Yes he does. So I'm tr- trying to trying to apologise for the fact that the audio recording for Tim's conversation last time around was a bit quiet and that was something that I noticed in the first episode of our audio files and I had to, to get the, the levels right because you and Tim were sitting a little bit further away from the mic than I was and I just had to work my magic as best I could, being an absolute rookie. Yeah, but you know, even then, the late millennial did uh, did better with the technology than the than the Gen Z. Well, we've learned our lesson. Next time we'll be better, won't it, John? This is all on the fly. It's all about the learnings as we go, mate. And you know, this really is what the podcast is all about. Uh, it'll give you more of a flavour of why we're doing this, which essentially is to to document the startup journey, which you know sounds simple enough, but not a lot of people do it. Um, and hopefully it's a piece of business history and hopefully we'll actually be much better at this soon as well and you'll be hearing from us every step of the way yeah so please do go back and listen to episode one as John says it will give you a better flavour of what we're trying to do here and the style that we're doing but let's get into it thanks for tuning in this is the last you'll be hearing from us today please indulge us and share this podcast we'll have another one or two out before Christmas yeah we're not not a one hit wonder mate thankfully not so here's the raw, pretty much uncut conversation with Tim Jones of Growgood, where we talk about the B word. One there, yeah, cool. Easy peasy. Nice, okay, so I can keep this here. I can keep talking here. Yeah. Cool, well, well you can... This is bigger than mine. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably something to do with the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's an age thing. Yeah, yeah, good on you. That's hilarious. Sorry, I'm digressing from the topic. Yeah, well, introduce yourself before we get too far off track here. Right, I'm John, um, and I'm working with Mitch on this, uh, this project. Which Sounds dishevelled. 
because it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're pretty excited with. Um, don't do that. Good. I'll stop fiddling with my microphone. <laughs> um, but actually, pretty passionate about it and pretty amped to have you here, Tim, because you've been doing the hard mahi around this space for a long time and we want to sort of dig into that because I guess the audience that we're hoping will hear this at some stage um, really should hear it and um, there's just some realities coming down the track around purpose and sustainability which are words that everybody uses and everything now but um, we want to really rip into what they really actually mean for them around the, the words that they truly understand which are like profit Mm -hmm. and customer retention and customer attraction and talent and all of the things that I think ridiculously haven't really been thought through that much particularly in the short term which brings us back the value prop yeah but before we do that maybe Tim do you want to introduce yourself and um, sure. yeah have a wee chat and then then I can kind of jump on the coattails of that hopefully and explain where we're at currently with our business and how that might relate to B Corps Cool. So yeah, uh, kia ora, I'm Tim, um, the Grow Good Guy is my self-appointed uh, moniker, I guess. Um, I run my little business here in Otatahi Christchurch called Grow Good. And yeah, it was kind of born out of an early midlife crisis sometime back in 2012, 2013. Sort of an oxymoron, isn't it? An early midlife <laughs> crisis. <laughs> Wait, get, get in early, beat the rush. That seems to be uh, something I'm thinking about. I might use that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, since I've been been out on my own since twenty sixteen, oh, late twenty fifteen. It's like yeah, like dog years working for yourself, aren't they? It's like blend and mm. feels like a, a lifetime. Always a lifetime. Um, yeah, went out on my own late twenty fifteen. Started a consulting business loosely initially around sales training for business for good because that's my background was in in sales. I figured if I can take the skills that I've been taught and learned over a sort of ten or year career in medical device sales, if I can take those skills and give them to typically smaller, medium businesses, trying to make the world a better place, maybe that's that's a place for me. And then over the year that's over the years that's kind of morphed. Um, stumbled into B Corporation in terms of what that is as a as a framework around about twenty thirteen ish. Um, certified my business in twenty sixteen. I was B Corp number eight way back in the wow. day before it was even vaguely called. Cool. Um, so and that was really important for me to be one of the first like within the top ten. It's like if you can claim top ten B Corp, you're kind of you're legit. It's like you were there before it was even Trailblazer. Yeah. It's like so it's pretty pretty cool. When I saw number seven come across, I was like, Oh my god, quick, 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 <laughs> get it in. Um, nice. but yeah, since twenty sixteen my business has morphed and, and, and changed direction and to now where yeah, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time helping companies navigate B Corp certification, which even three to four months ago wasn't as big as it is and certainly not in 2015 when I started so um, yeah small consultancy coaching training business I'm all about purpose fuel performance so helping companies and individuals work out and tap into it it's like a super fuel it's like this never-ending supply it's like nuclear fission you know if you tap into it it just will take you and your business to the next level and so helping companies and individuals navigate that journey and using the B Corp as a framework mm. to sort of hang off the operational side of things but it's also it's trying to balance the almost like the rational, logical, and the spiritual, metaphysical of why why do I want to do good? Sure. What does it mean to me, and why do I feel good by doing the good? But then also capturing it operationally yeah. in terms of well, how do we now report that and tell stories of that good and connect other people to that? So yeah, that's kind of what I'm all about. Yeah, cool, cool. And I guess there's a darker element to that 
that I want to dig into because I like the dark. I like the dark (laughs) matter. See what I did there? We are in dark matter. Thank you to Dark Matter Studios for um, uh, uh, letting us use this podcast studio. It's available by there. It's a fantastic resource in Christchurch, Otatahi. Yeah, because there's what you said, but, you know, I am drawn to doing good because basically I've been told to by somebody else or I'm on a, you know, dare I say it, trend bandwagon that says that, you know, this is the latest trend, i.e. something that only exists for a certain period of time and I just need to tick the box. And and I think, you know, part of the the reason we're here around, you know, our anti-consultancy concept is that I think that's wearing a bit thin and there are boards with their executives and their heads of sustainability who just realise that, yeah, there's got to be a long-term strategy. There's got to be some, you know, validated and certificated components to that. But there's also an audience which is out there buying or thinking about buying stuff right now. Totally. And some pretty obvious areas in the short term that you kind of should be looking at because they're either doing a lot of harm or they're an opportunity to yep. use un- unrealised stuff. Totally. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, the people that we've been talking to so far is you know, the the pain point or the stress around sustainability and ESG and B Corps and everything is this rapidly changing landscape and not necessarily want to maybe jump the gun too much and get accused of being disingenuous. Um, you know, there's a lot of greenwashing out there, purpose washing um, and whatever short-term you know, plan that they might have maybe they don't want to jump into too quick um, because they do have this long-term ESG strategy or they've got all these milestones that that they want to hit but there's nothing you know particularly confronting at least um, for for executives and 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 boards and stuff I mean we were talking this morning about how the turnaround for a a CEO on average um, in terms of their tenure is about four and a half years Mm -hmm. so trying to capture or like mobilize some of these you know key players in, in corporate New Zealand and these corporates, these businesses to actually make meaningful change in the short term is what we think you know employees and um, and consumers they want, um, but it's about actually you know doing that and doing that in the right way. Totally. And it's scary, I think. For, it is scary. Yeah. And any, I mean, you know, referencing back to the dark stuff, you know, anything that is hard or difficult or confrontational for you as a you know like the, the leaning more on the purpose side of things rather than the b corp like b corp is a way to, to measure and report the good mm. that you're doing in your business and if you just do the certification like that's pretty cool but the risk is that i see this happening less so currently in new zealand but it has happened the sustainability manager does the certification in isolation they go and get the data that they need to to meet the reporting standards that they need and then they kind of go ta-da we're a b corp and the whole company goes will we a c corp before why are yeah. we an a corp um, i have no idea what this thing is it's yeah c corp sounds you know, yeah. you know kind of better right corp sounds <laughs> yeah. better um so you know th- there is a real risk whereas the key is to, is to go on the purpose journey to bake in operationally mm. into the hearts and minds and the souls of the of the employees in the company mm. which then spills over into the customer you know the other stakeholders who want to go on the same journey well, we're going to get into the C word, aren't we? Which one's that? The culture. Culture. Yeah. yeah. Culture vulture, me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Go down to Spain yeah. every year, get myself some, some Stella. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it's, it's for me, it's, it's deeper. It's almost deeper than culture. Right. And, and this is the, 
this this is the hard part that people don't want to actually go and do like this this is when you get into your Jungian psychology stuff of like the shadow work like who am I why am I who I am what are the bits what are the things that we do as a company that are actually semi-tyrannical or actually we know are really bad yeah. but we avoid talking about them because no no one wants to go there it's like the elephant is in the room here people but we're all just ignoring it because that's a hard conversation yeah and, and this is the point where half of you sort of dare i say it and i'm happy to because i'm one of the male pale stale executives <laughs> will start you know running for the trees to hug yeah because but they don't even want to do that because they're too scared to think about yeah. going hugging a tree but yeah. and, and if anything this is this is the work that really needs to be done collectively at mm. the leadership level is like, well, what, why are you CEO of a big company? Like, mm. what, like, what, what is driving you to want to be in this position and what is driving your decision-making? Is it actually you or is it you just want to be a CEO because of all the, literally, it comes down to typically the childhood trauma. Mummy mm. and daddy didn't give me enough hugs. I'm looking for affection and love. Therefore, I'm going to go and be a CEO of a big company so mm. people love me. Mm. Like, Only reason I did it. There you go. I mean, yeah. it's like, if, and that's what's driving most, unless you've done some deep, like really deep personal development work to go and work out why you're even doing what you're doing in the company. Mm. You're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And, and that's the part. There's some awful statistics. Um, I think it was from University of Virginia. I think it was 2017. They got a, a group of grad students and they got them into the room and they said, cool, kind of, I guess a bit like a studio like this. And they said, right, we're gonna, there's a little room to the side. Um, the, the study it, it involves you going into the room for, I think it was for 20 minutes by yourself. And if you don't want to be in the room for any longer, you can self-administer an electric shock and get out of the room. So they had to be in a dark room with nothing but their own thoughts for 20 minutes. It was about 70 or 80% of people self-administered the electric shock. No way. They weren't asked to challenge their thoughts, like listen to their thoughts, confront them. It was just being, basically be in a room and meditate for 20 minutes. We'd rather not do that. And that's, that for me is the next frontier of business is, yeah. do, like, I kind of don't care if you want to do B Corp for marketing reasons right now, because you're going to be in the system. Sure. And once you start connecting to the good that you're doing, we are genetically and even culturally disposed to contribute and want to do more good. And, and so once is, you start doing it, you then go on the journey. And this is where the F word starts coming in, isn't Which it? The fear. Fear. Yeah. yeah it's fear like, and feelings this, this, and emotions. This is something that NCA at MBA didn't cover. This is not the Stanford grant school. You know, I'm going to have to look into myself and yep. it's starting to sound like a Brene Brown episode rather than a, you know, kind of a business thing. 100%. I mean, uh, shout out to UC here. I, I co-teach one of the MBA programs here with uh, Misha Bosrova mm. and it's called Creating Impact-Led Enterprises mm. and one of the sessions I run is on purpose. Mm. Like, who are you? What, why are you doing an MBA? Like, what's in it for you? Mm. Like, are you doing this for the right reasons? Um, and that's quite a, it's, it's what I call the existential wet fish to the face. It's yeah. like, you, you need that slap across the chops to go, well, hang on a minute, like, why am I doing all this? Like, that's very interesting because I've definitely thought about an MBA and I, you know, I've only finished studying a couple of years ago, but it's definitely in my future. But you're right now that you're kind of putting it that way. I'm, I think probably the main reason I'd want to do an MBA is to get to that sea level place, but I don't even know what for, right? I mean, I mean, I'd like to think that I'll remain, um, you know, idealistic and, and trying to do things for the greater good and the environment and, and socially and stuff. But I'm sure, um, you know, that kind of wanes over time, especially once you get kind of deeper into this thing. Um, well, if you're not prompted, I mean, from my experience, and I'm a little bit older than you. you know, <laughs> Only slightly. Permanently staying 49 years old. Nice. Um, <laughs> You just can wake up one day, and I've had this conversation with a lot of colleagues and friends, and just realise that you haven't. 
you know, it's like the classic mission statement for mm. the organisation, right? And if you flip that back, which very few people do, to a CEO or an executive yep. who's created a mission statement and say, what is your mission statement, yep. Tim? Who are you? They have often a very uncomfortable silence or, you know, full space response that clearly says, they haven't really thought of it in the same terms that they've yep. basically imparted onto an organisation. 100%. And that's, for me, I, I call it the purpose horizon. Mm. You, you can only see so far into the future as to how much good you want to do yep. based on your current level of sort of consciousness, awareness and purpose and desire to do good. Mm. And 99% of people are in the current world are, are pretty much driven by that whole, I want to have more stuff than my neighbours so that people like me and, and I feel like I'm a better human. Mm. Stuck on the hedonic treadmill of just more, more, more. So people will, will kind of, I can't remember the guy here, I think it might be Dave Ramsey, you know, um, we spend all our life buying stuff we don't want to impress people that don't care. You know, it's like that's the majority of humanity. Is, yeah. is, and, and I catch myself on that every now and then. It's like, yep. well, yeah, I'd love to kind of have a Tesla one day. And it's like, well, why do I really want one? It's like, mm, I, don't, I don't need one. Mm. Like, I kind of want one because it's a bit cool. And people go, oh, wow, look at Tim good. He must be doing well because he's got a Tesla. Mm. It's like even the people who've done some of the work, you still get trapped in it because the world is all about more, more, more. Um, but yeah, once you get onto that purpose journey and start extending the purpose horizon for you, is, and it has, it's, it's kind of like, it's chicken and egg. You can start at the organizational level. Yeah, let's get you a nice pithy little purpose statement. By doing that, you'll have to have uncovered the little things about you though. And then that will get comfortable. And then it's like, actually, I think we can do more than that. And you kind of riff off the feedback you're getting. It's like, yeah. but to, to take it to the next level, you've got to get the senior leaders typically to start with to go on that journey. You go, well, actually, who are you? Like, yeah. What do you want to be? Yeah. And I want to reverse back here a little and apologize profusely to Brene Brown because I, <laughs> I, I love her work and, you know, focus on that V word, right? Because yep. it's a vulnerability thing, I think. All right. We're going through them all the F word, the yeah, C word. Yeah. The we could do the whole alphabet if we really. I've got some P words coming up but we'll wait for that one I'm I'm struggling with x at the moment but we'll get there um but you know seriously around that vulnerability and also you know the horizon piece because of course if you're an executive in the last three years uh, your horizons and I was talking about it with a a mentor of mine this morning uh you know he's chair of a a number of different companies you know who had in their worst case scenario forecasts a revenue drop of a hundred percent yeah um, and so how do you actually own that? Because, yeah. you know, there's always a subconscious sort of, well, I set the worst case scenario yeah. and you're off by 70%. Yeah. Um, so it's much less about filling the space with an active plan and I know what to do in this and mm-hmm. I have a playbook and stuff and more about let's really define the purpose of the organisation as okay. the guiding star. 100%. Which isn't really going to have much bullet point detail of the actual actions other than be careful no. not to go too far too fast. Totally. And it's, I think there's, there's a lot of confusion around you know, vision, mission, yeah. uh, purpose. A lot of people using vision statements as purpose statements and mission statements as... Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that lacks clarity, I think, generally in the market. Whereas for me, right. it's kind of like your purpose is... It's, it's almost a... Um, it's like, you know, we, we are aiming to do this so that... You know, that's kind of like Simon Sinek's model, I guess. It's like we, we at a highest level, we're about doing this to create this outcome. Mm. The vision is then typically, well, if we reach that state, and it's pretty highly unlikely you'll ever reach the state because it needs to be so big that you're kind of, it's really unlikely that you're going to, and ideally not in your tenure as a CEO, it's going to be, this is going to be the 100-year vision is yep. we get to here. The mission is the thing that changes. It's like I spent some time in the army. Like the mission is a specific thing that you achieve. So it's like, 
right now we're focused on doing this, which mm. ladders up into this, you know. And I think there's a lot of confusion. You know, there's so many purpose statements out there. You just look at it and go, that's like a weak mission statement at best. Right. And that, I think, increasingly savvy consumers, investors, suppliers, you know, employees are going to look at it and go. Yeah, you've just you've paid for a marketing consultant to come in and, and whip that up. Um, it doesn't actually reflect the depth of who we are and what we stand for, or what we could stand for, or what we you know. It's that yes, yeah, that spiritual sure. side of it, almost the soul part of it that is, yeah. is missing from that the transactional nature of, like you say, strategies, documents, plans. It's like well, I'll get off <laughs> this eventually, but it's the R word, isn't it? It's like the risk <laughs> and sort of how you actually mitigate the risk of being more open. Yeah. Um, to you know, then you talk about military style and military historian by by nice. academic training, and you know the difference between a live rounds exercise and a and a you know a, an exercise that everyone knows is an exercise yep. is that you know most mainstream will make a thirty percent contingency of people just freaking the the freak yep. out um, yep. because they know the bullets are real. Yeah, and so you know you can't yep. really practice or drill you know fire drill that sort of stuff. No, and it sort of feels like. You know, one, we've got these consumer audiences coming into a much more um, uh, accessible, you know, through digital view yep. of purpose, as well as um, a processing of that where they're quite frustrated about the state that corporates totally. in particular have got to. Right? Totally. Which is where we're seeing this, like the great resignation yeah. and the great reshuffle. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, in a tight labour market where people can't move around the world, mm, of course. You know, pressure's going to be on. So enter, grow good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the purpose plan. fueled performance. That's the plan. What, what, you know, and to whatever degree you're open to, we hope this will get out to a relatively yeah, yeah. big audience, you know, nice. between five and 25 people eventually. Fingers yeah. crossed. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what have been the frustrations? Because, I mean, that's, you know, it is, it's leading yeah, yeah. stuff, man. It's like... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had, like I said, I had my purpose epiphany. Um, it's, it's literally, it's called a subconscious awakening. So 2010 to 2011, earthquakes here in Canterbury, mm. you know, collective near-death experience a lot of people had a change of direction in their life it's mm. well documented you know near-death experience in it but i wasn't attracting the building like but just having that um your mortality questioned you know briefly totally like, the world is big and dangerous actually i might not be here tomorrow um and then 2012 our wife and i had our daughter again another critical moment in you know life journey where you have a change of perspective on, mm. on everything and so yeah that's when i literally down tools and I, I, it's what I call a hard Brexit from the corporate world because I, I started to see stuff happening because like I used to work in the medical device industry there's a really the best way to encapsulate it is go and watch the documentary The Bleeding Edge it has been on Netflix you can probably find it on the internet where people kind of I guess it's topical in the in the current world of global pandemics people are kind of sceptical of the pharmaceutical industry and how they make their money and where it all goes but that's kind of out there the medical device industry is more insidious bigger and less well known so if you imagine going into a hospital as soon as you've walked into that door everything that you can see is sold into there by a company right all the way through to the hip the knee the cataracts replacement like whatever it is interesting every every single thing in that hospital is sold in there by one or 10 or 20 companies that are competing for that business so there was endemic corruption globally within the industry it's all well documented the one company i work for you know for um you can say it we'll bleep it out <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, it's, it's in I, think, I can't remember the name of the, i think it's the philadelphia inquirer um 
the company I used to work for uh, when I first moved to New Zealand called right. Synthes or Synthase or Synthase, depending how Swiss you were. Sure. Um, you know, four patients died on the operating table with a product that they were knowingly pushing to market too soon. Uh. But the surgeon who was running the procedures was an investor in the company, and they realised it's the classic thing: like if we don't get it out to market first, the guys down the road will get it out. We'll lose market share. So we're going to hit the V word now. Ooh, another yeah. V word. Well, values. Values, oh, yeah. Did we always use the V word? Well, I think we had the V word already. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Just yeah. values without the V then. Yeah, so there was that, and then a couple of years later, um, pretty much every major orthopedic device company was slapped by a subpoena from the US Department of Justice around basically um, anti-corruption behaviour. So, um, you know, people, surgeons around the world were being gifted flights and accommodation and more, in some cases, cars and yeah. all sorts of stuff. and. When you're in the industry, it's like, yeah, but we're all doing it. It's a level playing field. Mm. Like, there's no, no harm, no foul. Um, and with the sort of patient deaths, well, you know, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. You know, this is about, mm. you know, pushing the boundaries of medicine so we save more people ultimately. And when you're in the system, you're a young guy in your mid-20s or, or early 20s that are paying you really well. You get to go to conferences all around the world. You're kind of like, yeah, well, I guess I kind of see, see what you're saying. But, yeah, for me, this... The subconscious awakening led me to go, what, why the hell am I doing this? Like, well, I'm working for companies that are knowingly killing people and doing bad stuff. And I, I wouldn't do, if this was my business, I wouldn't want to be doing that. Yeah. And that was like my kind of, yeah, I guess, inception point of like, who am I? I yeah, think, why, why have I been doing this? That's also kind of emblematic, I think, uh, with the kind of wider sentiment among consumers and people generally is the kind of companies that they want to align themselves with. Uh, aren't nefarious, aren't insidious, as you say, um, and they have spent a lot of time thinking about their values and their purpose and established that either early on or if they haven't, um, then they're making really uh, deliberate steps towards okay. you know shifting that C-word culture um, to to really embed it within their organisation. Um, and, you know, I think I'll get to the P-words now. Why well, actually that. wanted to swap that last P-word with a P in, pr- in terms of principles? <laughs> oh, oh there we go. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of P-words, so we can... Well, we what can... Is it, as a mate of mine at university to say, principles, that's a shot for girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a word span about five, so I'm probably done on that no, right no. now. Uh, okay, How okay, many okay, letters of the alphabet are there? 20, at least more than five. <laughs> 26, John. <laughs> there you go. Learn something on each one of these books. Nice. And in Welsh, why is vowel? So there you oh, go. Yeah. Look at that. It's a school day. Well, it's, it's kind of like the add-on as well, isn't it? In the Māori alphabet as well. The Ys. Uh, yeah. well, actually, I couldn't. Maybe that's not great. I don't know. Um, fact check that one. You definitely fact check that one. We can cut that out. Maybe we'll beeping. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So problems and pain points that you're kind of hearing. You know, obviously, yep. you've, you're working with a lot of corporates, a lot of executives that are coming in, sustainability managers that are trying to get B Corp certified, yep. and um, there's. essentially a mountain of things that they could earn points on out of 200 I understand yeah and then is it 80 the pass 80 out of 200 which a lot of people go well how hard is that it's not even half marks sure Um, and then most people try it and they get stuck at 50 yeah 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 yeah. oh okay it is a little bit harder than I thought yeah Yeah. which is good it is good because if it was easy everyone would be doing it exactly and I think that probably obviously gives B Corp a lot of credibility um, uh, at least in the market at the moment being kind of that gold standard for certification and sustainability um, and other things obviously as well Um, but yeah what what would you say are some of the the really obvious pain points among some of your clients if you're comfortable talking about that I mean typically it comes down to probably three main areas one, uh, the, the easiest ones are, look, we just want to do this, we, we want to do it quickly, and we want to get as many points, genuine points as we can, without mucking around. 
So it's like, we just want to do this. We're, we're fully on board. Um, the second one would be, we've been having a stab at this for the last 18 months mm. and we're just stuck. And, you know, it, it is a hard process to go through, but it's not insurmountable. But if you're trying to do it by yourself in a, you know, as a sustainability manager or you've, tried, you've got a small team around you, you know, you get overwhelmed with business as usual and other stuff that gets thrown onto your plate. Yeah. So in that regard, it's kind of almost the accountability of sitting down with me and going, well, you've kind of paid for me, you've booked into time, you're going to go and do it now. Mm. So, um, but also, I guess the value for me is, from working with me, is I, I, it's like you have to take a test. I've taken the test loads of times. I kind of know what the answers are. And sure. if I don't know what the answers are, I know roughly what they're looking for. Um, cool. And I've got a whole suite of supporting documents and policies and, and other things that I can kind of just go, no, it's going to be this, it's going to be your answer. Mm. So you can't have that. Um, but also, for, I guess for both of those clients, it's just sort of prodding and poking and going, well, just tell me a little bit more about what you're doing here. Because mm. there's, there's kind of two parts to the assessment. One is, is a measure of your operational goodness. So whilst we are making our widgets, how much good are we co-creating for our, um, you know, our employees in our supply chain? Are we being, um, you know, um, what would be the word, considerate of our local community? Mm. What's our diversity and inclusivity like? What have you, um, what's our environmental impact? You know, what is the actual widget we're making? So on and so forth. But above that, it's what's called an impact business model. And one of my recent clients, she described me as the Pokemon hunter. Because you're kind of like hunting for this, or I used to call it the Super Mario bonus level. Like, you know, if you kill the end of level boss, you get to level up. And an impact business model is where you're going out of your way to create more good than you are legally expected or required to do. Mm. And for me, one of the best examples would be um, Etik or the Cheer Sisters. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, and both of them, and I think this, this is something for you as an executive, if you're listening, to think about is like, how easy is it for the consumer or employee to hate this business? Mm. And when I look at a teak and the cheer sisters, it's like, it's really hard to hate you. Because sure. you know, yeah. you're doing so much good mm. across your entire business. Mm. And it's really hard to go, yeah, but you're not doing this. Or yeah, but you haven't sorted this out. It's like, yeah, you're doing really good. I almost think that's like becoming the standard now. We were talking about that at lunch today is, is it's not necessarily this really um, well-defined standard when it comes to sustainability or social um, issues that, that companies are trying to help. Um, it's more about, you know, yeah, the, the areas maybe that they're not doing so well in yeah. that people tend to focus on, okay. um, which is kind of crazy to me. But yeah. it, it's essentially where it seems like it's at in terms of uh, you know consumers and everything. Like, I mean, Kathmandu, I think, is a relatively good example, at least just personally speaking. Yeah. I'd see that they're B Corp certified, and I know that they've got a lot of synthetic materials and yep. there's still a, just a huge company that mass produces clothing and we don't really need any more clothes on this planet at yep. the moment so it's a bit like oh gosh it's really hard for me to, to actually buy into the sustainability if it's when I know that there's this huge you know I suppose skeleton in their closet yep. um, it's really easily discernible for the modern consumer totally. yeah. and I think the key to that and I think this is the digging into this message where, where we start, start this line of questioning it's, it's do the good that you can do now mm. and once you once you connect to the good that you're doing recognise what you've got you'll see where you can be better because when you take the impact assessment you can um, there's an improvement report that you can download which basically gives you a list of all the questions that you didn't score highly on so that, that's basically your indicator is that well, where are we not doing well and like I say it's, it's all part of the journey there's a really cool phrase uh, someone said to me a while back which I, I can't remember who it was and it's don't think it's an actual quote, so I'll, I'll claim it now. Um, you know, the guy who invented the light bulb did it under candlelight. Yeah. And this is where we're at. It's like, yeah, in an ideal world, Kathmandu would be selling no synthetic material. Mm. But it, could they do that? Is there a supply chain of purely natural-based material that they could plug into right yeah. now? 
or no. even be able to recycle completely recycle the synthetic materials and make it Correctly. circular but it's still yeah it's Correctly. not quite there yet it's right? not there yet yeah. but from what I know of the people that I know who work at Kathmandu it's on their radar sure you know? and, Great. And, and I think this is again one of the areas where companies maybe are missing the mark is well, be really transparent on telling that story like we, we know that we can be better here we have searched there's a company I've just started um, working with uh, yesterday packaging like packaging for all consumer goods brands is it's the nightmare yeah there is no bulletproof good solution mm. that is yes this is the answer particularly not when you're exporting globally it's like in some jurisdictions this is home compostable in some it's not in some you can, there's no clear cut solution mm. they're like they're front footing it hey look we've done this amount of hours of research they're a really small business with great you know export plans we have done so much research from what we've understood this is the best solution that we can get right now with the resources that we have if you have a better solution tell us and we'll look at it that, that's all you can do yeah. like front foot where you're not doing so good mm. ask people for help on the journey yeah. but I think the, and the other part of it is if you're a truly purpose driven company your competitor mm. is not your your competition is not your competitor mm. your competition is the bigger problem like I look at you know Apple and, and um, uh, Samsung you know what if they actually came together and how do we solve interhuman communication instead of who can sell the most phones? Mm. Like, that's purpose. And, I, and we're getting there. This, I was part of a, um, a facilitated a workshop last week in the wool industry. And we had people from carpet companies to um, wool producers, uh, Mons, Icebreaker, mm. um, Terralana, the insulation company. They, they all want to work together and work out, like, let's map out the complete value chain of who's sourcing from where, how do we make sure it's in the, the best. Um, in terms of environmental and socially sourced material, but how do we collectively work together at end of life to make sure that we can upcycle and recycle? And cool, right? It's happening. What do people, what do they all wear when they come together for like a wool industry? There was a lot of um, wool based products. Merino's um, breathable, yeah. John. You can wear it when it's but warm. But there, there were a couple of people in cotton shirts, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, like, you're in the wrong, oh, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an imposter if you see a cotton shirt walk out yeah. there they're yeah. just sneaking but, out but you know the, the, it, it's, it's happening because people are realising that we can't you can't solve this in isolation it's going to take collaborate and you know we talked about Allbirds before you know, Allbirds and Adidas working together yeah. it's like I don't know that well that's, that's cool, cool because yeah. you're not going to solve this why would you want to solve this problem independently just so mm. you can sell more stuff you know Volvo's another great example they recently released all their safety data yeah all the other, like Volvo is known for safety. Like I imagine, mm. their IP lawyer was just like, pulling the hair. What, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, like, this yeah. is insane. Like, you know, this, there's a, this is the this is the yeah. Like, there's a competitive advantage. Yeah. There's a TikTok yeah. of them rolling one of their latest SUVs off a forklift at high speed and just yep. letting it roll six times uh, no to way. see the crash cage. Yep. You know, and that's so. I guess when sort of boiling that down, I come to I come to you know um, a word beginning with I, which is intention, right? Nice, so many letters. Yeah, letters. well, I try and only work in small like things. Maybe, maybe ABC should be. I think, yeah. I think someone got, I think got alphabet. So you could totally have ABC yeah. as your uh, company name. ABC, TBC. TBC, yeah. yeah. There we I go. Mean, there we yeah. go. Yeah. I think yeah. the URL's taken. <laughs> the ABC, do you really yeah. look into that? But it's that intention, right? And that's the it's thing you've got to... And, and they say nowadays in terms of brands... Um, and I talked to a guy, you know, very long-standing agency uh, guy uh, that I respect in this area, and he actually wrote a couple of pages on it um, that the brand is actually no longer owned by the company. No. The brand has actually shifted to the perception, mm. be that the right one, the yep. wrong one. And so what a lot of people are looking for to stay loyal to brands is actually what's the intention, yep. knowing that if there are humans involved, nothing is ever going to go, go right. full plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And so how do you communicate that in a way that, you know, embraces the, the Kathmandu example, totally. which says, look, we're on a journey here. We'll yeah. probably never actually get to the end of it. Yeah. Um, but you can see that our intention, uh, including, and this is sort of where I'm getting to in, in your experience, you know, the elements where they go, holy crap, you know, this has really not gone the way that we that we thought it was. Yep. What do fun. we do? Do we roll... Yep. Jane in from marketing, or Jim, <laughs> or do we put the CEO in front of it and say, look, we just yep. basically messed this up big time. Yeah, I th- and I think increasingly people are looking for that authenticity. Right? Yeah. Right. We, we all make mistakes, mm. and, and it's better to own it, mm. you know, than to try and hide it. I think the days of, you know, PR and spin and hiding yeah. it, everyone's, Long over. we're too wise on that now. Mm. We've all been burned too mm. many times by, yeah, nice try. But it's behaviour, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's the natural sort of, there's a crisis, yep. you know, for corporates. It's like, bring in the PR, yeah. dude or dude yep. to just like patch it over with some yep. whatever it takes. Yeah. And totally. it just doesn't stick, does it? Not these days. I think increasingly consumers are way, I mean, I, do, I still do a bit of sales training because that's where I kind of transitioned into my own business. And, um, you know, it used to be caveat emptor, buyable wear, mm. but now it's sellable wear. It's caveat mm. venti. Because the consumer knows more, probably knows more about your product. So there are some consumers who will know more about your company and your product than you do as the salesperson, mm, because mm. they care more about getting the, the right solution, whereas you're just trying to make budget. Well, and, who who would have thought we'd live in a world where you know a relatively young person sits on Reddit and essentially creates a run, you know, positive or negative, yep. on a publicly listed you know yep. Nasdaq stock or yep. you know um, totally. Uh, you know, and I think that's got really people quite fearful yeah, totally. um, of how they actually begin to approach this as a company. Yeah, but that definitely speaks to being authentic and vulnerable, right? But yeah. you know, why why is it still such a point of apprehension, right? When they know that that's probably the best way they can spin it, yeah. maybe then it becomes a question of oh, actually our internals aren't good enough yet to align with this for us to be that vulnerable because we know that. If we kind of open ourselves up yeah. to that, you know, all of this this dirt could be dredged up a little bit yeah. here. So I have a theory on this. Go on. Um, and I'm interested in your view. I, I think it comes down to metrics. Because if I'm a CEO coming back to that four and a half year average tenure, mm. and I look at a problem where, you know, all of the ABC plans take mm. six to 50 years, depending on how well you want to fix or embed the solution mm. to the problem. And you've automatically got a you know a, a material challenge to doing you know the longest term beneficial thing mm-hmm. versus the thing that aligns to the way that you're measured and seen as a yep. as a leader. Totally. I think that's going to that's changing now. Obviously, we've got um, Dr. Duncan Webb, local Labour MP. Mm. He's got a private members bill looking to amend uh, the Companies Act. Yeah. Um, which would basically put like a purpose clause and a stakeholder clause, yeah. which is interesting because in the B Corp world. Um, in Australia and New Zealand now, for you to certify as a B Corp, you have to amend your corporate governing documents to add a purpose clause and a stakeholder clause. In preparation. In, yeah. That's um, cool. And if you're Very of cool. a certain scale, you've got a bit of time, I think mm. it's 12 months or 24 months to you know, get your board on board and shareholders if you're publicly listed. But it, it's a real, it, it, you know, it's not a mark in the sand. This is a mark in the concrete. It's like, you know, you, you have to be willing to alter your company corporate governing documents to say you have a purpose beyond just making money. Yeah. And I think this is going to be the key. And one of the drivers behind that is to bake in the purpose to the organisation. So mm. it's not reliant on the four-year CEO mm. who might come yeah. in and go, hey, B Corp, this is going to be my thing that I'm stamping on the company. This is going to be my kind of you know legacy. 
so no this purpose now sits within the company mm. so it's beyond the ceo it's, mm. it's and you know then that hopefully will mean it attracts the next ceo who wants to build on the purpose and the mm. legacy not on the metrics but fundamentally that's that's the challenge you know in a in a world of finite resources we're putting material you know infinite assumptions around the metrics that we want to chase which don't make any of us feel good or happy you know in the long term so there's regulation now, and it's and it's pretty you know pretty close around the corner. Yeah, um, I mean, if the private, I, I don't know what would I haven't had the time to look at the private members' bill details and what would stop it getting through. But um, I think it needs some public support to get behind it. You know, and certainly as the B Corp community, we're saying well, we're kind of already doing this. So mm. yeah, why not? And if it doesn't get through this time, I, I would hesitate to suggest that within a few years we won't be far off. That you know the constitution for a company off the shelf in New Zealand would mm. have that clause in there. It's like, yes, your one of your aims is to run in a solvent manner and provide a return to, you know, directors and shareholders, however, not at the expense of. So mm. Mm. if it doesn't happen this time round, I reckon within the next five years we'll easily be at five hundred B Corps in New Zealand and we'll all then be campaigning and saying this should just be business as usual now. Yeah. And I mean it's got um precedent too, right? Because yeah. the Reserve Bank actually now requires a much higher level of um uh, disclosure yeah. and reporting and preparation yeah. for full integrated reporting yeah. as a regulatory or you know companies totally. and at the end of the next level there's environmental yeah. reporting and yeah. I think in the UK they have the, the purpose clause as part of their companies act yeah. now. but it says I think they use the language the company may consider ah oh, the old lawyers the may old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there we go um, whereas what we're obviously looking for is let's let's leapfrog that and go to yeah. must yeah. Um, as, a, as a first principle here yeah but it's it's, it's happening you know and I think the other thing to consider is having spoken to, um, I mean, well, in May this year, ANZ issued a $100 million ESG back loan to Kathmandu, mm. which is basically premised on them maintaining and increasing their B Corp score. Oh, it's cool. like the money people. I didn't realise that. So that's yeah, one of the criteria. That's, one of the, that's that, what I understand. Isn't that phenomenal in so, terms of a term and a kind yeah, of commercial kind of like, really cool. You know, when I've been talking to people that, hey, this is, like I say, pitch to companies is it's going to be your employees your customers your supply chain or your investors mm. who demand that you start looking at this mm. at some point in the near future i used to use the example of danone as an esg backed loan vehicle yeah like most people kind of heard of danone or they could you know work out who they were mm. now it's like no we've got a live example in new zealand mm. it's like this is how it's, yes it's at the big end of town yeah but this shows you a, and it's back to the intent word this shows you the intent that's coming from the financial markets mm. and talking to the team at anz who um, organized that that vehicle you know they were saying globally the private equity market is now moving that the the, the the next generation are coming through like mum and dad who might have been the high net worth individuals who had money invested in private equity mm. it's now becoming the sons and daughters who are kind of going well why have we got money invested in cigarette companies and tire companies like yeah i call it the consumer sandwich yeah yeah because so, the younger generations are more active but they're also more influential on the older and the sort of some people in the middle just fluffing around <laughs> that i don't know what to call them yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're the ice cream those two generations of the wafers and you've got this whole sandwich analogy going now but um that seems to have the biggest potential to move the needle really fast 100 percent. like when the money people get it this is no longer you know greenies tree huggers do the right thing man yeah it's like we'll get you to that point but right now there are there are actually going to be commercial imperatives that i mean particularly if you look at certain certain industries in particular, so May, June, July this year, I was part of a team delivering some work through NZTE. We ran a business for good program. Mm. We had forty. They put it out to um, NZTE backed exporters in the FMCG sector. They were hoping to get twenty for a cohort. They had 
80 who were interested and they got 43 in two cohorts. They were like, oh my gosh, we had no idea this was gonna be so popular. Yeah. If you're now an FMCG export business in New Zealand, if you're not B Corp certified within the next six months, mm. you will start losing market share. Mm. Because in the, in the UK, as an example, Waitrose the supermarket, Boots the chemist, and Ocvado, I think it's called, they have on their on their um, online stores you can search by brands that are B Corp certified. No yep. way. So if you are claiming to be a holistic, vegan friendly, plant based, mm. you know, nutrition brand, and you're not a B Corp in a global market, they're going to look at you and go, eh, "Well, what are you? Who are you? Like, well, what what good are you doing mm. when the five local competitors are going to be B Corp certified?" There's also I've I've got some stats here, some stats ready. Um, for you. There's some really interesting stuff. It was very prepared of you. It's probably more prepared than <laughs> well, we were. Well, I just thought they're, they're, they're topical the, and um, much more prepared. The um, so B Lab runs their own impact report, so they mm. collect data about you know what's happening and, and, and how a company's doing. So from the 20, 2021 impact report, which basically looks at twenty twenty, fifty two percent of B Corps hired more employees in twenty twenty. So in a global pandemic, fifty two percent of B Corps hired people. Forty seven percent of B Corps had. 15% growth of employees in 2020. And two out of three B Corps globally saw increase in revenue in 2020. Wow. So in terms of resiliency, yeah. you know, we, we are getting more, there are more and more data points that are showing that if you just care about the money, you should you need to be thinking about this. So I'm trying to process that as a summary. I mean, and, um, so does that mean that they are more, tend to be more diverse companies with, because of course there's some industries in COVID that just, you know, you can't get on a yeah, plane totally. to be tourists. You yeah. can't be... Or hospo or whatever. Yeah. I think that the key for like, the conscious capitalism, um, was it Raj Sodia? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of evidence from maybe 10 years ago showing that companies that had a higher purpose or were doing more good were more resilient. Right. And I think for me, there's two parts to that. Like, if you have this sense of purpose and you know why you're doing what you're doing and why, and why it's so important and you have a real connection to the good that you're doing, mm. you're just going to go harder for longer. Yeah. This, this is the super fuel that is purpose. You're sure. just less likely to quit. Yeah. And I think that does create a little bubble of energy that flows over. Mm. Customers are more likely to, like, you're doing so much good. We, we, we have to try and support you so that you can keep doing the good that you're doing. I you wonder know? whether it's actually a mind space thing too, where if you're more resilient and more stuff's put on you, you, your mind spends less time dealing with that and yep. more to be more innovative or creative. Right. In a, There's some really, it's... Um, it's like fog of war stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, Sebastian Junger, he's an anthropologist and he's done, he's a journalist. He's got some really cool stuff. But um, one of the things he talks about was, you know, during the Second World War, when the Germans started bombing London, the government were like, OK, this, this is it. This is going to be our, I guess, our own internal D-Day before, before D-Day was actually a thing. But it's like, you know, this is going to be the crux of the war because if the civilian population capitulates under the bombing, we're going to lose the will. Morale. You know, yeah. morale's going to drop. Yeah, yeah. You know, their boys are all away. What are we going to do? Actually, the reverse happened. So during, during the bombing... The, actual, the resiliency and the, and the um, uh, I guess, uh, psychology of the local community, particularly in London, actually went up because it's really hard to be depressed when you're helping someone else. Yeah, right. You know, when, when you're so focused on, my neighbour's house is gone, I need to see if there's any survivors here, that takes, you're not thinking about yourself. Mm. And again, this is one of the big parts of the purpose is if you're focused on doing something bigger than you to make something better for someone else, you're going to keep going for long because that's, we're, we're wired for that. Like if you think back to cavemen and women's society, you know, I, I'm going out getting the wildebeest, you're 
making the campfire, whatever, you're, you're rebuilding the shelter because mm. we all have to contribute to everyone well, else. Well, I say I'm building the shelter while you're out getting the wall <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the, the probably on Netflix. Oh, sorry, guys, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of, bit of wind in it. Yeah, we'll yeah. But, you know, there's, we're, we're built for contribution and to yeah. help each other. But yeah. in the modern world, you know, most companies' metrics are what was sales, you know, what's revenue, what's profitability. Well, who was, if you look, think back, so challenge for both of you, 2013, who was number three on the NZX in March? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Fletcher's. I mean, who cares? Oh, you don't know? No. Right. I, I don't, I, I don't <laughs> even the person who was number three in March 2013 knows that they I, I'd like yeah. to look that up now. Maybe it was yeah, Fletcher's, yeah, John. Yeah. That'd be pretty impressive. Like, but that's the metric we're so focused on typically in a business. Mm. But people won't remember what you you know, what you know had. They'll remember what you did and how you did it. Of course. You know? yeah. and, and that's, but it's hard because you can't measure that. You no. can't measure... Yeah. That well, even if you did measure it, it's not going to sit in you four or five years. No. And, you know, one thing we haven't touched on to avoid really picking on CEOs is boards, right? Yeah, totally. Um, because board tenure is, you know, sometimes mandated minimum two times three year terms. Yep. So you've only got slightly longer yep. to, you know, even debrief on how well, you know, yep. you've got two fiduciary obligations to hire and fire the CEO and act in the best interest of the company at all and times. That's it. Yeah, which is why I think this purpose clause is so important. Yeah. But I know, um, you know the guys from Trinio? You'll know those yep, guys. Dan, so yep. Dan and Abinav, when I first met with them before they started their B Corp journey, you know, Abinav was talking, I think it was his brother or his cousin who is part of, he's a senior leader in a, in a business in India, which is like a locksmith. Mm. And it's, I think it had been in operation for like 250 years. And they have the shortest business plan they have is a hundred year business plan. No way. <laughs> and it's like, th- that was part of his journey in terms of like, why are we so focused on three months? Mm. Right. Like, it's like three months will take care of, like three months takes care of itself. And there's not much you can do this month to actually massively influence in three months time. Mm. But the seeds you're sowing today, you know, it's, it's the corny thing. Like you're planting the seeds of the tree that in a hundred years time will give someone the shade. Yeah. And that, we, we don't even think about that at any level. Well, it's not, it's not an analogy competition, but you know, there's also that one with the Chinese philosopher when they asked him about the impact of the French Revolution on the 21st century, and he just said it's a little bit too early to tell. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Or, or I, I studied uh, the, the French Revolution. Oh, we're in competition now. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the, going. The, the, the answer I'm loving I was this. was, which French Revolution are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there were multiple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you could plug that on several countries yeah. um, immediately in terms of you know, what we remember, to your point, and what we don't. Yeah, um, I might chuck in another uh, wee V word here, if that's okay with both of you. We've been three now. There yeah. has been three. Some, some yeah, this, this feels unbalanced. Um, the the V word that I wanted to touch on is is valuable. You've already said values, but um, I suppose just bringing it back to what we're trying to achieve with this wee project that we've yep. got going, this little thing um, that's still kind of I suppose just festering. We're trying to figure out exactly um, which direction it's going to go. Um, and I don't know, John, if you wanted to talk about the value prop just briefly um, for our listeners, just because some people might be here just listening to Tim, they don't care about us, which is probably <laughs> and vice versa. very likely. Did you, you say m- most people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the value proposition is that everything we've been talking about um, makes perfect sense, which but it's actually freaking hard yeah, totally. to operationalize. And we've covered the fact that, you know, culture plays a role. And it's probably more culture than, you know, from what I'm hearing in the way, you know, discuss things with you than it is um, the expense of the things you have to do, you know, the 80 score or what have yep. you, because that will get in the way of everyone getting behind getting to 80. Totally. Um, faster than it will the fact that you don't have the right assets for, totally. for, for coming to that score. So what mm-hmm. we're doing in terms of riffing around this value prop 
is saying is there a, a missing kind of space um, in the um, in the market where there's a lot of strategies and long-term thinking being done but I think it feels like there's a lot of executives and boards saying surely there's something we can do right now that's more impactful right now yeah it's almost a bit of an ancillary function right and we did have a quick chat before we got on mic but um you know, we've, there's a lot of consulting companies out there that are entering into these huge strategic projects for, for companies um, and uh, have their 2030 net zero plan or whatever, or their 2050 targets. Um, but in terms of right now, they don't really have actionable short-term goals that they can really um, delve into. Um, so that's essentially where we're at at the moment. And, and just going back to, to valuable and the question I want to ask and we want to ask you is how valuable do you think it would be for us as a very young company, very small, that's still kind of setting up its processes and trying to find its purpose um, to actually enter into this B Corp process and, yeah. and start things from day dot, essentially. Um, and hopefully through your answer, maybe um, that could encourage some listeners to to look into doing the B Corp thing yeah. you yeah. Know, because they're a lot further down the line than we are. Yeah. Right. So you guys doing it Us right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still don't have a name. Which I wouldn't mind actually running that past you as well. Yeah. If we've got time. Yeah. So yeah. typically to, to start the B Corp process, you have to be in operation for more than 12 months because mm. we, we need to see 12 months of operational data to right. see well, like what you, how much money have you been earning over the sure. last 12 months. Could we outsource that? Or <laughs> <laughs> is that from registration or is that? Uh, yeah, uh, registration yeah. is typically... Okay. Yeah, so that would be your one challenge. Okay. Um, but the the flip side of that is actually, as a startup company, my advice would be like, to take the assessment. It's free. You can okay. go online. Ah. You can create an account. You can go through the assessment. Yeah. Start thinking about like when you're about to get your first employee. Well, yeah. hang on, what what did we say we'd like to do when we had some employees when we've been through the workers yeah. section? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, as a as a part time employee joining. We need to offer them the benefits that we've already got, which yeah. might be nothing because you're a startup and you've got. But you know what I mean? It's like it gives you the lens as to how to build the structure of the business yeah, before great, you get big. The, the big challenge for big companies is mm. the sunk cost, the embedded nature of how we've been doing it this way for 50 years. Mm. And you know, Sinlay had challenges with that. Like it took them two years to get to I think 80.1 or 80.2 points. Right. And they had to fundamentally alter the structure of some of the ways they did business. Mm. And as Hamish Reid, their director of sustainability, said, you know. If it was easy for them to get B Corp, it would be the wrong mm. assessment. Mm. And you know, this is the thing, you know, build it as you're scaling. Great. So that when you get to twelve months, you can go, cool, well, we've got all the policies already written because we've preempted yep. getting to this point. So it's a really cool framework for startups to just look at and consider, well, before we start hiring, before we go and look for suppliers, well, let's just have some considerations about what we might need to ask them. Or let's go and I so typically you score more points for working with independent, small independent suppliers who have an underrepresented leadership team. Right, right. So cool. Let's have that in mind when we're looking for our suppliers. Let's go and try and find those companies if we can. Yeah. yeah. So very interesting. Makes sense. Definitely makes sense. It's something that we probably should be getting onto. Yeah. Um, I might know a guy who can help you. <laughs> just giving him a pad and a pen to write that down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, we're probably wrapping up, but um, yeah. 
you probably detected we're relatively lazy interviewers. That's great. I mean, yeah. it's the only way to do it. Well, I am just anyway. Riff, Sorry, just riff and go with the flow. Yeah, so, exactly. So you know, we're still learning how to do this. Yeah, we are. Mm. We talk over each other. We. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm disappointed there wasn't as much weed and whiskey as Joe Rogan has. All the uh, uh, gosh, be for, uh, all the farting, all the farting, all the farting gets bleated out, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're going to be so, there, don't worry. So, is there anything that you know? I think you've got the gist of where we're trying to go yep. and sort of help educate and, and inform people about you know B Corp and just yep. general purpose and good. Anything we'd must that you know you go why the hell didn't they ask me that no i think we covered a, a, a good a good round of stuff like i said you know just if, if you don't start today was it warren miller if you don't if you don't do it this year you'll be a year older when you do sure you know, start having a look start because yeah. if you're not starting now someone in your competitive landscape not that i want it you shouldn't be competitive but it, it is for now someone else is going to be doing it and mm. you'll be a year behind doing it yeah start it now have a look get on the journey of work sure. now. And you're not going to be able to fix everything tomorrow. No. Right? Break it down and say, well, what could we do in three months? What could we do in six months? What could we do in 12, 24, 36? Mm. And let's build a roadmap to us becoming a great company. Because then you authentically answer the question by saying we're on the path, totally. but we just haven't got to the first gate totally. yet. Exactly. There are, there are, you know, we're at 48 B Corps in New Zealand. Mm. Right? There's plenty of space for, for people to come and do more good. Yeah. Like, mm. There's a small group of businesses that are kind of nailing it right now. Not mm. to say, there are plenty of companies doing great stuff that aren't B Corp certified. Sure. You know? But it's it's not like we're at market saturation for good being done mm. in the corporate environment. There's mm. 4,000 globally. It's not a massive number. But it's moving. The B Corp movement grew by 25% 2020, 2021. So it's it's going places. Yeah, yeah great. Um, but Tim Jones, yeah, really appreciate you uh, coming along, and yeah, we'd love to have another chat, and just because it's a journey, not a destination, 100%. and I think we're both in exciting places to yeah. um, to help people out with this yeah. challenge. Keep collaborating; that'd be great. And where can people find you as well if you want to do a bit of a yeah, in case we plug. need to get to that web page or podcast for <laughs> yeah, the piece, yeah. Yeah. explain <laughs> to the people. Sorry, yeah, my website. All of our five <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hi mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be uh, um, Stephen Mo. I don't know if you connected with him. No. Um, you should talk to him. He's got really cool podcast called Seeds, oh. um, and he did a, he did a podcast on my podcast. Oh. So I, I've been on his like three or four times. I felt bad that he hadn't been on mine, um, and we got a really piece of glowing feedback from his mum and dad saying oh. how much they enjoyed our interview. So pressure's on you guys to get mum and dad to uh, provide some input on your, on your podcast. And um, yeah, GrowGood.co. Um, if you just Google Tim Jones, the Grow Good guy, if you can't find me, the internet is broken. All the power is off because um, I'm pretty much spamming the internet. And connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I normally hang out. Um, yeah, be, Always happy to hear from people, have a chat, see if I can help. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Kaki Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks. It's a wrap. I can do these. Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do need to go on this Exactly. Yeah, no, we'll definitely stay in comms and I'm sure after we, we get that first podcast.